Yes, guys, we are back with our second episode in the same week. We never do this, but obviously, if unless you're living under a rock, you know the Golden State Warriors won the NBA championship last night in game six. Peyton, it must have been hard to watch that game, I know. But the Warriors win their fourth championship in eight seasons, so we had to bring you a little bit of an NBA final special show. It's just Peyton and I here today, but we're going to do our best to cover everything that happened, go over all of our thoughts on the series as a whole, game six last night, and the NBA finals in general. Peyton, how you doing? I'm terrible. <laughs> yeah, I figured I listen. I figured that's what you would say. Obviously, if you haven't listened to our previous episodes, Peyton is a resident of Massachusetts. He's a Celtics fan, obviously not happy with the outcome last night, but sports goes on. We got to talk about it. So Peyton, obviously it'll be hard, but overall thoughts from last night's game, the series, what did you see reactions? Basically, everything that I expected to happen happened. Steph went off. Wiggins was a bucket. Otto Porter somehow hit two threes. Draymond Green played fantastic for how bad he's been. He played outstanding. Clay Thompson wasn't terrible. Even Gary Payton played all right. Um, and Jordan Poole, which I hate to say. They all just played fantastic. There was no chance for the Celtics. Going into the second half, I was convinced we were going to lose. Um, the only time where I had a slight glimmer of hope was that and one bucket by Al Horford where he got it in and Clay Thompson yeah. fouled him. I thought maybe, just maybe, there'd be a slight chance of redemption there. But Jason Tatum was utterly abysmal and the amount of turnovers that the Celtics had the points caused from turnovers weren't as bad as they were in games in game five but there were so many dumb turnovers that were that happened because of Tatum specifically um Brown actually 34 points great game by him he's absolutely dynamic and he I have nothing to say about Jalen Brown but good things but Tatum I mean the hundred turnover stat I guess we could talk about that that's probably the scariest stat that I've seen for my own eyes that he had a hundred turnovers in the postseason and that's the first time that anybody's had a hundred turnovers in postseason history that's pretty terrible. <laughs> yeah no it is really really bad and I do want to mention you mentioned Jalen Brown he was the only Celtics player that scored 30 points in the NBA Finals the entire series in all six games nobody else Tatum didn't even get 30 and I think the most he got was like 28 or 29 he was right there but this, yep. There was no player on the Celtics like we had kind of talked about in the last episode that because we had talked about is Steph going to win finals MVP if they lose. And we'll get to that, obviously, a little bit later in the show. But nobody on the Celtics said, oh, I'm going to stand out and really stake my claim as to if we did win this series, I would be the one that would win finals MVP. And Tatum didn't really do that. Brown was a little bit more consistent than Tatum was, but even Jalen Brown didn't step up every single night and say, Hey, like I'm the leader of this team. I'm the one that's going to step up the Celtics as a whole, every win they had, what every stretch of every game, when they were performing good, it was a collective. It wasn't one guy really dominating. It was ball movement. And I agree with you when Al Horford got that and one play and they cut it to nine points. I was like, all right, they're on like a 10, two run here. This is where it could swing in the third quarter energy in the in TD garden, you know, it, it, the energy of the crowd, it could swing things. Obviously, it didn't go that way, but overall, like, and you know, going to the turnovers, like you said, you brought up that stat. Forget even just Tatum with the 100 turnovers in the postseason. The biggest thing that did the, did the Celtics in in this NBA final series was turnovers 100%. Because, like you said, even though the points off of turnovers weren't as bad in game six, so many times. Tatum and Brown were trying to drive into the paint and the Warriors collapsed on them. Wiggins and Curry were double teaming, Poole and Draymond double teaming, getting deflections in the passing lane and getting easy layups, easy three-pointers for Curry and Clay. And the person I have to shout out, you mentioned him, Draymond Green, 
finally looked like Draymond Green in game six. Every rebound that this guy got, he was pushing the tempo, getting the ball out in transition when it wasn't even a turnover. He had 12 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists, two steals, two blocks. He had a fantastic all-around game, and he showed us the kind of player that he honestly is supposed to be. That's what we have come to expect of Draymond since the, since this kind of dynasty is formed. And he wasn't showing us that the entire series. But listen, when it was most needed, when they need, when they needed to close out the most, Draymond came through. The entire team played fantastic. Steph was unbelievable as usual. Third quarter hit. I mean, just countless three pointers that you're that you just watch and you're just in awe of how he plays. I have, I have nothing bad to say about the Warriors, nothing but credit to give to them defensively off like just entirely. They were the better team last night going in. They were underdogs. I remember we had talked about that basketball index stat where they gave the Celtics an 86% chance to win the NBA finals going in. And wow, that's a fake. I don't know where we got that <laughs> fake stat, but that is, I know, but yeah, listen, I, the Warriors, I think we can both agree. The Warriors, they went into the series. Steph was, Steph was mesmerizing, and I want to get to Steph and Curry specifically because there were a lot of questions. I, w- I don't want to say questions, but I had a lot of people that I had talked to over the years after they won their first championship in 2015, and Iguodala won the finals MVP that year. And then they blow the 3-1 lead, and everyone's like, oh, the Warriors for real? Are they you know, a legit title? Are they a legit dynasty? That kind of thing. Then you get KD who comes in, and everybody says, well, the only reason they won those championships is because of Kevin Durant, because why like, – what else could you say about that? Because they were the most unbeatable team ever. This was, the, I think, the most rewarding and the sweetest championship for this team because there's no asterisks on this. There's nothing you can say about this championship that like deteriorates it. There was no, oh, KD was here. There was no, oh, well, Steph didn't perform as good as he should have. He performed fantastic except for one game in game five. He was the leader of this team from where they came three seasons ago. They were the worst team in the NBA record wise. They had a top three pick. Then last year, they didn't even make it out of the, they didn't make it out of the play in tournament. And now they're sitting back on the mountaintop. Clay comes back from his injury. Is this in your opinion, like the most rewarding and almost, I guess just the best championship the Warriors have won over these eight seasons, because in my opinion, it a hundred percent is. Yeah, probably besides the first one, the first one was pretty cool with Iguodala. Um, that was a good that was a good run. But once KD came in, it was always it was always KD. It was always excuse after excuse of why they won because they were had too much firepower. But yeah, to go off of Stephen Curry, I think I think it's no doubt that he's number two point guard of all time behind Magic Johnson at this point. And I think he's not so gradually creeping into the top ten conversation faster than most people would expect. I think his handle, his poise, his ability to just be there like I think I watched a Kobe Bryant interview where he described Steph's ability to just not focus on what's behind him in the past and what's to come next in the future but he's just there he's and when he, when he was shooting the ball it's one it was one of those nights where I'm watching and every time he released the ball it's just like yeah that's that's a that's in like it, it, at least 50 percent of the shots and and it didn't matter if it was from the logo left side right side off the dribble off a screen like and I've never, ever, ever, ever seen somebody play the way he does. And it's on, it was honestly just like shocking. I was just like, I sunk farther into my couch every shot he took. And again, I said on the radio before, it's what I expected. It's like he came out bad game five. You knew he was going to blow up game six. Yeah. The Celtics, the Celtics, honestly, they did a great job to even stay in the series. I'm really excited to see a healthy Rob Williams, a fully healthy Rob Williams. He was good. Even the blocks he had last night, dude. And he's playing, he's playing injured kind of. He's a monster and he can go get a bucket as well. I'm really excited with Brown. Brown's 
just toughness and grittiness to go get to the cup and get a get get a bucket is really um just inspiring I'm, I'm happy that we have a guy that's that tough because you, you said it like Tatum never got over 30 the reason Tatum didn't go over 30 is because he didn't really when he got collapsed on he didn't commit to the bucket and, and Brown you saw even when Green or Steph or Wiggins or whoever was doubling him trying to collapse on him he would still find a way to get to the cup and for me that was that was really nice to see but the Tatum turnover stat was extremely disappointing and just Tatum's play overall it just scares me for the future of Jason Tatum and his confidence as a whole like where is he going to come back next year and how is he going to bounce back after this defeat because it was a bad bad defeat if I'm going to be honest it looked like a professional basketball team versus you know the G League um, and it, it wasn't that that bad. Besides the third quarter, when they I, I wouldn't go that far to say. It was but it that was bad. it was it was pretty it was pretty bad. It was pretty. No, bad. it wasn't it wasn't good. And my thing is Tatum needs to look at himself in the mirror now. He has to almost. And I'm not comparing him to LeBron. I'm using this as an analogy to kind of explain what I'm trying to convey with Jason Tatum. When LeBron lost to the Mavericks in 2011, when he went joined my, the Miami Heat. He had to look at himself in the mirror going into 2012 and he had to understand who he had to become as a player in order to overcome that hurdle and get to the mountaintop and finally win his first NBA championship. Now, obviously Tatum and LeBron have had different careers. I'm not. Yeah, that, that, that's, plus, that's plus Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh when you just came from a Cleveland team that is about as dismantled as the Sacramento Kings. Well, I know what, no, but what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that in terms of Tatum's play, what Tatum has to now do is look at himself in the mirror. He has to self-assess and realize, okay, I have things I need to get better at and come back yeah. next year with vengeance, come back with the motivation. And this needs to be his, his motivation, his driving factor in this offseason to really get better, to become a better playmaker and focus on not turning the ball over as much and even just become more confident and aggressive when trying to score the do you, basketball. Do you, think the, do you think the Warriors were afraid of Jason Tatum? I don't think the Warriors were afraid afraid at all of, of the Celtics in general because I think the Warriors came in knowing who they were. I think they came in in terms of that big three of, of Green, Clay, and Steph. They came in knowing, listen, this is where we belong. These last two years, these last two seasons were an anomaly. We're supposed to be here. We're not scared of this 24-25. Even though Tatum's good, we're if not I'm, scared. If I'm, if I'm the Warriors, I'm after game two, when, when the Celtics win that game with, you know, Brown, Smart, and, and White blowing up. And Horford, too. I, I'm so much more afraid of Rob Williams, Al Horford, Marcus Smart, and Jalen Brown than I am of Jason Tatum at that point. You know, you, you, you know, as the Warriors, with how you were defending him, that you could at least do a good job of containing him because of the yeah. way they were defending yeah. him having Wiggins on him and then being able to double him in the post, you could at least defend him. And it's like, you know what? Let's, let's not let Tatum beat us. Force these other guys to beat us like they did yeah. in game one. Every that, and that's where after game two, I would have been like, wow, Williams dominated the paint one. Satan, so, so did Horford. Smart played great defense and, and kept the ball moving around. And Brown was just lethal from three and from the cup. So if I'm the Warriors, I'm way more worried about the secondary scoring and who I'm going to, who I'm going to put out there to guard Brown, Smart, and, and Williams than I am about the one-on-one -on -one matchup with Tatum. Because realistically, I mean, he was barely there. I mean, he was there, don't get me wrong. And I don't want to down him. Like, again, probably the best player on the Celtics still. Um, but it, it's he's got to bounce back next year. Like, he's got to come back tough. Like, really, yeah. really. He's got to be the leader of the Celtics, one. He's got to be mega tough and, and fight through all injuries for the regular season, two. Three, to not be a disappointment. He has to get through the Bucks and the heat again to get back to the final and the, the odds of that and the nets don't even get and like in the nets, yeah, the nets are going to be there dude the, the kd that's still kd like and, and, and Kyrie and, if he's still there if he's still there but but for me it's like when i look at tatum and i see all those teams and all the star power between butler Giannis, kd i think to myself god 
on the biggest stage to, to, to play that soft and turn the ball over that much, it's a big wake up call. And it, it, he's got to have a shift next year. And, and yeah. I, I, I'm, I don't know. I really don't know if he's going to be able to make that big of a jump and really prove himself like LeBron did coming off of his loss against the Mavericks one, because he's on the same Celtics team that just lost granted. It's better than the, the Cavs team that LeBron left, but he's well, not no, LeBron, to- LeBron was on the Miami heat team when he lost to the Mavericks. It was the oh, same. You're, oh, you're, true. you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So it was the same team coming off of it. But again, moving away from that, the really thing I want to go to is Steph Curry. I want to go back to him for a second because he's now just the fifth player in NBA history with multiple MVPs, a finals MVP, and a scoring title. He joins LeBron, MJ, Wilt, and Kareem as the as only five players to do that. My question to you is, is it solidified that he is in the top 10 or would you still put him maybe right on that border of the top 10? He's top 10. You think he's top 10? 100%. Because I, don't, I, think, I can't I can't name you my 10, but, but yeah, if we were going to start, if we were like if we if we had everybody in their prime in front of us and we were picking for a five on five basketball game or whatever, we uh, six on six, whatever. I mean, I don't, you'd be hard pressed to find a guy that I pick over Steph Curry, to be honest. Like it, it's just the, his ability to score from every position. Again, dribble left, dribble right, pull up right, pull up left off the screen, off the dribble, off the pass like. He's just he's just as good from every spot on the floor. And like granted, he has his hot spots where he really catches fire, but like the spread of his scoring is just so insane. And even his ability to drive and dribble, like his ability to get out in and out of space and to shift through players, it's just it's honestly underrated because he shoots the three ball so well that nobody really watches his handle. But yeah. man, he can handle the ball like Chris Paul and he can shoot like Larry Bird. I mean, I can't, I can't, I don't know how else to explain it, but that's what it is. Yeah, and we're witnessing greatness right now. And my thing was, I was always somebody, when Kevin Durant joined the Warriors, I absolutely despised the Warriors, partly because I'm a LeBron fan. And it was also just because it was the weakest move by an NBA player that I had ever seen. And LeBron did a similar thing, so. Okay, whatever. We we won't get into that. But I, at this point now, I, like, enjoy and appreciate watching this Warriors team because the point I want to make, this team was built, besides Andrew Wiggins, basically throughout the entire draft. Steph was drafted by them. Clay, Draymond, Kevon Looney, Jordan Poole, even though he wasn't great in the entire series. All of those guys were picked by the Golden State Warriors, and they were built up within this system. So the Warriors really excluding the Kevin Durant years, this has been a self-built team by the front office, by the head coach, Steve Kerr, who I want to get to in a second with his accomplishments now. But this Golden State Warriors team, I appreciate them so much, and I love watching them play. And we're, and like I just appreciate watching Steph Curry because we are witnessing literal greatness. And, we are and again, I think we will see similar people to Steph, not as good. We won't get into that whole you're debate right, again. You're but, right, you're right, you're right. Because kids yeah, but, are, because he's 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 now become the Michael Jordan for this generation. You know what I mean? Well, you know, there's Braun, obviously, but in terms of yeah. changing the game and being a an elite, oh, he, changed, he changed the landscape of the NBA forever. Yeah. And I mean, he's going to change the way kids train, and he's going to change the way he's kids already done that. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, if you went back twelve years, thirteen years, you'd probably yeah. be hard pressed to find a 10 year old that shot more than four threes in a pickup AAU game. I bet you there's probably four 10 year olds on each team that would shoot five threes if they had the chance to, you know what I mean? Just because of Steph Curry do it. So you're right. I mean, in terms of impact on the game, I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, Steph Curry. I mean, it's right there. Like he, he's absolutely changed the landscape of the NBA forever. So, I mean, it's got to be top three for impact. 
Yeah, and this finals MVP, I think really like this finals MVP and the, the whole performance of this NBA finals shuts up any kind of narrative that anybody wants to throw out or trying to take something away from Stephen Curry because you can no longer take anything away from him. He has earned and achieved everything that he's done in his career, and there is nothing left to take away from him. Especially, but after, more, especially after a bad performance in game five. I mean, exactly, and then yeah, bouncing back. Like, like that, and that's whatever that's what if you know Steph Curry, what else did you expect? I mean, he, if he has a bad game, he's gonna come out and be a killer. That's who he is. So so, I mean, not even I a bad game, but not hitting any threes and then comes out and hits six. Like it's yeah, just, exactly. yeah. I mean, now we knew he was going to hit five to six threes. Like he had, it, it was no doubt, no doubt. So no question. I want to move on to Steve Kerr though, because now he becomes the second uh, coach slash player besides Phil Jackson to win nine plus total championships. He won three with the Chicago Bulls in 1996, 97, 98 in the second three peep. Then he won two with the Spurs as a player in 99 and 2003. And then he's won four as the head coach of the Warriors in 2015, 2017, 2018, and 2022 this year. So my, my question now has to be, I mean, I feel like he was already in this point, but Steve Kerr, just as a head coach, just talk about that for a second. He's got to go down at this point as one of the best head coaches of all time, right? Or one yeah, of the, like, I, least- what, I think, I think it is something with Phil Jackson, just guys that get around Phil Jackson or Mike, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't Michael know what Gordon, it yeah. is. <laughs> I don't know what it is besides New York. You know, obviously New York, you had your stint with Phil Jackson and you know, that, that went a certain way that we're not going to talk yeah, no, about. But, but I mean, whether it's Kobe, Mike, the book, like the nineties the, the bulls, like guys that have been around Phil Jackson have been around Mike. They just know how to win. And whether that's Kobe and Shaq in the early two thousands, tell me I'm wrong, but like, no, you're not. You're correct. I mean, it's like for this long, this longevity and this again to be to not make it out of the bubble last year and then to not even be in the playoffs the year before be the last. They had the, the, they had the worst record of the NBA. And for Steve, <laughs> Steve stays there. One, Steph stays there. You keep your whole foundation. You come back and you prove everybody wrong. I mean, dude, yep. yeah, he's undoubtedly he's got to be up there with Phil Jackson at this at this point. And and he he reminds Greg Popovich too. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I, I would, I would put him right up there with Doc. I mean, Doc Rivers probably isn't even in that conversation, but no, Pop, it's, it, it's it, a Pop, it, it, Phil Jackson, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Steve, I mean, Steve Kerr isn't as, isn't as sarcastic and funny as Phil Jackson, and, and yeah, Greg but he just Pop, goes out and he, he wins. Yeah, but he he wins at the same pitch that those guys win at, yeah. and but at the same, I mean, yeah, it it was all. I mean, Pop had Tim Duncan. Uh, Phil Jackson has Pippen and Jordan, and Steve Kerr has as as Curry and Clay. And he also had Kobe and Shaq after that. So exactly. I mean, so again, it's not. It, it is about the coach one, but it, it's about building a team too. It's it's not just you know Steve Kerr owns a lot of responsibility for the greatness of the Warriors, but I forget the GM's name. I think his name Manyard or whatever his name is. Um, no, um, um, oh my God, I'm I'm blanking on it. Let me, let me look up his name. Continue. Brought, they brought him up on stage, and he was super humble and, and barely even spoke about himself. Yeah. Um, that it's it's really a full 360 they're just a great organization you see that bob myers Myers, thank you thank you bob i mean like that guy nobody knows who that guy is that guy built this team so again it's a lot more than just the coach and the players it's a full 360 between the whole organization but um Mm -hmm. yeah steve kerr is definitely top three at this point in my opinion to answer your question 100 percent. and i and one of the things he said it kind of touches on one of the points you made kerr always says if you hang around superstars long enough good things happen he's hung around them his entire career he won two chips with tim duncan won three with mj and pippen and now he's won four with having guys like steph katie and clay so it's 100 percent true if you hang around superstars long enough good things are going to happen for you um final thing i want to get into one of the points or one of the aspects of last night's game that i found 
so intriguing was that when the Celtics first started the game, they started off on a 14 to two run. And it looked like one of those typical game six kind of comeback stories with a team against the wall backs against the wall elimination game. They're going to come out and fully, fully drive their foot into the ground and really, really make a stamp and win that game six. The Warriors for the rest of that first half outscored them 52 to 25 for, for the Warriors to just take that dominance in the first half and really run with it, especially in that second quarter, just, I, I need to get like your final thoughts on just what it was that the Warriors did so well last night and Otto, why Otto, Otto, Porter, Otto Porter hit two threes and a dagger went into my heart and never came out. That's what happened. <laughs> Otto Porter hit a corner. He had a three, the next possession, he had a corner three. And after he hit those two threes, it was like, and then just Steph, I mean, I, I knew even even when it, I mean, I had hope again when in the third quarter, but the second quarter, the the whole first half was just abysmal. I mean, there was no no chance we were coming out of that game between the way the Warriors were moving the ball, the three point shooting, Wiggins being a bucket, Poole was hitting his shots again. Porter hits a three. It's like if everybody's hitting buckets, it's like the Celtics in game two when White hit twenty. You know, when you have that level of scoring from every position, it's like okay, there's no way we're going to be able to suffice and, and actually be able to, like, come back against this because, one, Tatum's not scoring. Brown's the only guy that's going to the bucket. Grant Williams can't hit a three. Horford was barely shooting. Robert Williams is hurt. Like, it, it was it, it was a losing battle, and, and, and I think I knew it was coming. But, again, I'm glad we made it to six. I'm surprised we made it to six. But, um, yeah, next year's looking a little bleak. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and, again, I just thought I, – I would say that was the final thing, but I thought of something else. The question I want to ask you, did this cement, because obviously there's great dynasties like the Lakers in the mid-2000s, the Bulls in the 90s, obviously you have the Spurs throughout the 2000s. Where do you place the Warriors or where do you think, like, first off, do you think they are, they should be considered a dynasty at this point, winning four championships within eight seasons? And if they are a dynasty, in your opinion, where would they kind of fit in terms of all-time great dynasties like the Celtics in the 80s, Lakers in the 80s, all those different teams? I know it's, it's a tough, tough question that's on the a, spot. That's a but. really hard question. Um, so are they a dynasty, first off, in your opinion? The I, I, yes, I would say they are. Four and eight is not – I guess it's not technically dynasty, but um, – I mean, they, 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 made, they made six out of eight years, and they won four. Yeah, so. I, and I mean, if you win half of the – I mean, last eight years, you win four out of eight. I, I call <laughs> that – I definitely call that a dynasty. Yeah. Where do they rank amongst all-time dynasties? They might not be done. Yeah, they might not be done, one, and it kind of depends on how much Steph and Clay can do with the team that they have right now. Yeah. Um, because minus KD, it's a much bigger feat to, to win in the fashion they did, especially beat a team like Phoenix the way they did, and to beat Dallas handedly. Um, those, those were easy series for the, for the Warriors. And I think it was, it's kind of crazy. They might be pretty close to the top because the way the confidence you guys had in the Warriors – a lot and even a lot of analysts going into the playoffs like a lot of the best guys in the world knew that the Warriors were going to come out on top and I think they're just so dominant again because of Steph's ability to shoot the three and it's it's just such a different style of basketball than anything we've probably seen before that it kind of has to be it has to be close to the top I wouldn't put it above Kobe and Shaq or even Kobe's five rings I think that was different um the Bulls. I, you can't put it above the Bulls I wouldn't put it above the Bulls I would probably put it above the Spurs. I think I think it's – and the Spurs wasn't really – I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I would say probably top five, I'm going to be completely honest. They're not above the Celtics or the Lakers um, past dynasties, but they're pretty yeah. close. 
I 100% agree with you. It's a dynasty at this point because they've done it without KD. They've done it with KD. There's no more questions to be answered for them. They are 100% a dynasty. And they, again, might still not be done winning championships because they still have guys like James Wiseman who weren't even healthy this year. When yeah, he comes fair. back, that's somebody that. to add to their lineup. So, again, they, they might not be done. You never know. But at this point in time, I 100% agree with you. They are not above the Kobe Shaq Lakers. They are not above the MJ Pippen Bulls, those two, three Pete, definitely not. They are not above the Bird Magic Lakers and Celtics. No, I would no. have to put them probably at five, right above the Spurs, like in that same kind of range. There's, an argument, there's an argument to be made. You, you could argue in terms of maybe those older Celtics Lakers teams. You could, however... I don't know if that's where we should do right now because I kind of want to wait till they're officially their their run is over and we know for sure they're not going to do anything else because this it, this is still kind of an evolving conversation because again we don't know they could win one more in the next two yeah. three years. We have no a, idea. A, if they win if they win five they go right behind Kobe and Shaq the, the I was gonna, yeah I feel like Kobe, they have to go Kobe, there. Flat, mostly Kobe but Kobe and Shaq championships if they win two more then. It depends on how much the team changes. But if the primary scorers of that team during two more championships are Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, then at, at that point, I mean, if it's if it's in, within the next four years that they win two more, I would definitely say that they're a top two, top three dynasty, maybe the best of all time. Because, again, for the way they play the game, it's just so unconventional and so different than anything that we've ever seen before um, that it has to be up there. And, and again, it changes, it changes the landscape of basketball when they win championships like this with the way that they play. No, 100%. I 100% agree with you. And again, it's going to be fascinating and fun to watch what this team can do going in the next few years because the Western Conference is only going to get better with Jamal Murray coming back for the Nuggets, Clippers getting healthy. The Mavericks just traded for Christian Wood, which honestly is a very underrated move. That's a very underrated move. They traded, and they really gave up not that much. They gave up Trey Burke, Marquise Chris, Boban Marjanovic in the 26th pick, and they got Christian Wood back from the Rockets. So. That really could be something that kind of shifts the tide a little bit. We'll see. But overall, the West is going to only get better if the Warriors can maintain this level of play and possibly get another one or two championships. It's going to get very interesting. But we wanted to do a quick show for you guys, wrapping up the NBA Finals. It was only me and Peyton today, but I think we did a great job covering everything we wanted to talk about. Tough loss for the Celtics, buddy, but they'll be back next year. They're a young team. We'll see what they can do next year in the Eastern Conference. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks, guys.